Coming up, D-backs defeat the Reds and get back to their winning way. So who are the three stars of the game? And should Toy Lovello be on the hot seat after all these other MLB managers getting fired? We discuss next. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We got some controversial topics to talk about, like should Toy Lovello be on the hot seat? We've seen Joe Madden get fired. We've seen Joe Girardi get fired. So I want to ask the question. I also want to talk about what's been going on with the D-backs um, previous to tonight's win against the Cincinnati. What's been going on with the D-backs recently in the last couple of weeks? So I want to talk about all that. But let's first start with a positive note and talk about the D-backs win against the Cincinnati Reds because we know the D-backs have basically been struggling this whole month of May. And it was finally nice to see them take care of a team that they should have been taking care of all series. And and if you want to describe this game, you would say it's a perfectly executed baseball game. I mean, a 7-0 win by the D-backs, and they took care of the Reds in all three phases of a baseball game. From hitting to pitching defense, the D-backs were awesome. So let's first start with the first phase of pitching because Merrill Kelly was dominant in this game. We know he's been scuffling recently. If you look at his numbers in the last three starts compared to what he was doing that first month of the season, the first five weeks of the season, Merrill Kelly has not been the same guy the last three starts, but he looked great against the Cincinnati Reds team. Six innings, only allowed one hit, three walks, five strikeouts. Did start the game with a pretty weird balk. Probably it was because of the rain delay. I'm guessing it was a little slippery up there on the mound. But side note, I did not know Merrill Kelly had a nasty shoe game like that. So props to you, Merrill Kelly, because I didn't know you were rocking some classic cleats like that. But Merrill Kelly was dominant in this one, as I discussed. If you look at his pitch breakdown, the changeup, I thought it was working for him really nicely. He had the lowest exit velocity against of all the pitches he, uh, of the top three pitches he used the most. I thought he, I just thought the stuff that Merrill Kelly had tonight, I thought there was really good movement on his pitches. And if you look at the velocity, his velocity thrown tonight was better than usual. His fastball, changeup, sinker were all up almost a mile per hour. So this was just a really good Merrill Kelly start. The velo is a little bit better. It looks like the movement and the spin on the pitches looked a little bit better as well. I just thought he was really locked into his bag, and he was working through this Reds lineup pretty quickly. Still threw 92 pitches, but I don't think that was too bad for Merrill Kelly. So I thought he did a great job today. He didn't give up a lot of hard contact, and when he did give up contact, it was usually to right right to the defensive players of the D-backs who made fantastic defensive plays all night because there was one play, there was a couple plays tonight where we thought the Reds were going to tack on some runs against the D-backs, but 
Alec Thomas was able to make fantastic defensive highlights in the outfield because you had that Joey Votto home run, which was just a crazy moment because when Joey Votto smacked that home run from the swing, from the sound, it looked like it was going to leave the park. When you looked at Merrill Kelly's reaction on the replay, before he even puts his hands on the head, Merrill Kelly's literally walking toward the catcher. He's not even looking at the ball. His head is down. Jose Herrera, too. Both of their heads are down. They're not even watching the ball, and then they turn around. Merrill Kelly looks up, and then that's when he puts his glove on his head, and he's just in disbelief like all of us D-backs fans because I think I let, him, I think I let out an audible gasp when Alec Thomas made that catch because it looked like he was tracking, but the way he was moving toward the wall, I wasn't quite sure if he had enough room um, because he was moving pretty quickly, so it felt like the ball was moving pretty quickly as well. But as he got closer, you saw him timing it up, and when he leapt, I was like, oh, he might have a chance at this, and he robs Joey Votto, which was just insane. He also robs Joey Votto in the fourth inning of extra bases with a little diving catch as well. So fantastic defense tonight by the D-backs. And, of course, their bread and butter from most of the season, which is hitting home runs, something the D-backs have not done really the last couple of years, really since they traded Paul Goldschmidt. Hitting home runs has been an issue for this D-backs team, and it's not going to get any easier when you trade someone like Eduardo Escobar. But surprise, surprise, the D-backs have been a pretty good home run hitting team this season, and no one on their team is better at hitting home runs than Christian Walker, who hit his fifth 15th home run of the season. Really good game by Christian Walker, who also had a double late in the game, a couple RBIs, another home run by Jordan Luplo, who always seems to, who doesn't play a lot, but feels like every third hit he has is a home run. That's why his OPS is like borderline 800, even though he has a pretty low batting average, only batting 182 on the season, but he's got 481 slugging to uh, complement it, which is the best slugging percentage of anyone who started for the D-backs tonight. FYI. And then, uh, uh, not Alec Thomas, Josh Rojas. He hit his fourth home run of the season. Josh Rojas also hit a triple in this game. It looked like Josh Rojas was going for the cycle. And I really like Josh Rojas at that number two spot because right now he's playing like a guy that could get on base. He's been pretty good with runners in scoring position. He's really tapped into some power and extra base hits. And he really seems like a really good setup man. He's athletic too, got a little speed to him. So I really like Josh Rojas at that number two spot for the D-backs right now. But if we if we have to hand out three stars to this game, I guess we could talk about the bullpen really quick, too, because it was very clean by them. Pop and Mantiply and Ian Kennedy, great job by the bullpen to get it done. No earned runs from them. But if we had to hand out three stars for this game, I think you first have to give a star to Merrill Kelly because I just feel like you have to give a star whenever your pitcher pretty much goes six innings and no earned runs. Like, how would your pitcher not qualify for a star in that scenario? What more could your pitcher want? So if your starting pitcher has a, a quality star, I think you have to give him a star. And so Merrill Kelly... You definitely earned one tonight. I think the second star, it gets a little bit tougher after Merrill Kelly because I really have three options here with Alec Thomas, Christian Walker, and Josh Rojas. So I think it's really tough between those guys. But I think I would go Alec Thomas for one of them because he's made some great defensive highlights. I mean, I think without Alec Thomas... The, the whole momentum of this game changes if that's a home run early in the game. We know of Merrill Kelly's first inning struggles. We know how he struggles early in game. So if that's a home run to start the game for the Reds um, pretty early in the ball game, I think that changes the whole momentum of this game. So that Alec Thomas home run was huge. So I think I have to give Thomas, and he also had a stolen base in this game that put him on third base eventually after an error by the catcher throwing it to second base on the steal attempt by Alec Thomas. So I think one star has to go to Alec Thomas for the all-around game game he had both on the bases got a base hit 
incredible defensive highlight. So he gets a second star. I think it really comes down to either Josh Rojas or Christian Walker. And should we give them both a star? Maybe, maybe not. But I think I'll give it to Josh Rojas because he traveled a little bit farther, triple and a home run. Uh, he only had one RBI, but he also had a walk tonight. He scored two runs. I mean, Christian Walker pretty much had the same similar night in terms of output for this D-back team. So you could really even give it, you could give it to either one. It's really a toss-up, but I'll give it to Josh Rojas. I'll make him my third star of the night. So D-backs take a great victory against the Cincinnati Reds. They should have been doing this all series, but it was finally nice to see the D-backs execute on all three levels. Pitching, hitting, and defense. Now, let's hope tonight can be a boost for maybe the rest of the season or at least the rest of the series because the D-backs have not been playing good baseball, but it's nice to see them get back on their winning track today. And if you need a boost to start your day, don't be afraid to go check out Built.com because they have Built Bars, which are absolutely delicious. And Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew. And the reason why I love Built Bars is because I'm a health conscious guy, trying to work out every day. But my problem is, I have, a tr- I have a sweet tooth. I like to eat candy. I like to eat junk food, but it's okay because Built Bar tricks me. Think that me and candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. And they have these things called puffs, which are protein infused with marshmallow. Absolutely delicious. So if you want your own Built Bar, just go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. And you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss. I want to talk about could this be the final season of Tori Lovello? Because Tori Lovello is currently on a one-year deal for the D-backs. The D-backs gave him just a one-year contract extension, so he's kind of a lame duck. I think this is a big prove-it year for Tori Lovello because I do think he has a lot to prove, even though he's one. NL Manager of the Year. That was back in 2017. That was five years ago. You know what I was doing in 2017? I was a freshman in college. I've been out of college for two years now. So it was a while ago for Tori Lovello. And when you look at his D-backs tenure, like, yeah, that first season, he was able to turn a 69-win team into a 93-win team. But since then, he had a couple couple above 500 seasons and then some pretty mediocre baseball teams under Tori Lovello. And, of course, it's not all his fault. Like, maybe we should... Maybe we should Mike. Uh, maybe we should lump Mike Hayes into this conversation as well because it's not like he's really helped out Toy Lavello too much with his own roster construction. But I want to keep this conversation to Toy Lavello because you look at the D backs as an offense since Toy Lavello took over, they haven't been higher than seventh in terms of ERA. I know I was going to talk about offense, but let's first talk about the pitching. They haven't been higher than seventh in terms of ERA in the National League since 2018. They've basically been top. Uh, they basically been bottom ten in the NL since 2018 in ERA. And offensively, it's not like they've been. Uh, it's not like they've done much better because this team has never been higher than seventh in runs scored under Toy Lovello. Seventh. So they've basically been uh, top half in the league just once offensively. So. When every season you're bottom half in both pitching and offense, guess what? Your team is going to be bottom half in the National League as well. And it's a big reason why the D-backs 
never seemed to be a good baseball team under the Tory Lovello era. Really just the first season under Tory Lovello when you had a competent offense and a really good pitching staff. That's when the D-backs are able to thrive because those first couple years, the D-backs were still around seventh in terms of offense, but the pitching, the ERA, was like top three in baseball. And that's really why they had to bring in Brent Strong because the pitching is supposed to be Tori Lovello's bread and butter. And it just hasn't been the case the last few years. And really, I have three big reasons why I think this could be the final season of Tori Lovello, or at least why I think it should be the final season of Tori Lovello. I don't know what Mike Hazen's going to do. I feel like he would lean on the side of keeping Tori Lovello because they're both former Red Sox employees. But I actually have a few reasons why I think this should be the final season of Tori Lovello because I don't like to call for people's jobs. This is not what I'm trying to do on this podcast, but I'm just not a big Tori Lovello guy, and I just think you can make an upgrade at that manager position. And here are a few reasons why I don't think Tori Lovello is a great manager despite having manager of the year under his belt. Number one. I don't think he's done a great job with developing players. I think there's a lot of players that start hot under Toy Lovello, then end up fizzling out. Or there's players who we've seen flashes of potential. Then you're like, what happened to that guy? And just to name a few, I mean, Alex Young, uh, Taylor Clark. I don't think either of those two guys were great, but I thought I saw, saw more earlier in their career. And then the more that they pitched for the D-backs, it just seemed that they got worse and worse. How about Carson Kelly? That first year when he came over to Arizona, he looked really good. Do you think Carson Kelly has gotten better since then? I thought he's gotten better this season as a defensive catcher, but offensively, he was off to a terrible start. Last season, he was a little bit better to what he was when he first came over, but still not the Carson Kelly that we thought we were going to get when we first traded for him. How about Luke Weaver? That guy has gotten significantly worse since his first season in Arizona. I mean, we've talked about it. His ERA was below a three that first year. He legitimately looked like a guy that could be maybe a number two, number three starter for your rotation. Now, Torrey Lavello has to put that guy in the bullpen because he's that untrustworthy as a starter. I got a controversial one for you. How about Archie Bradley? He was a fireball flamethrower when Torrey Lavello first took over and then he just got kind of worse every season after that i got a weird one for you how about kevin ginkle who was great when he first came on the season uh first came on the scene for arizona and then just kind of fizzled out after that you want another controversial one how about christian walker now i know he has 15 home runs this season at the time of you listening to this but after that first season and in arizona 2020 wasn't great to Christian Walker. 2021 wasn't great to Christian Walker. And this season, he's got the 15 home runs, but he's still batting near the Mendoza line. It's not like he's been phenomenal. And then all those players basically in the Astros, uh, Zach Greinke deal, at least the top prospects that we got back, Corbin Martin, J.B. Briskakis, and Seth Beer, was still waiting for those guys to really develop and take the next level. So when I look at all this young talent under the D-backs, like some of them have developed in terms of Ketel Marte. I thought he's looked phenomenal i mean he's a superstar for sure i give toy lavello credit for that i give him credit for josh rojas who seemed to get better every season and maybe dalton varsho you can make the case too he's gotten better but outside of really those three i think there's a lot more misses on this d-backs team i mean how about robbie ray like it just feels like there's so many guys who start off high under toy lavello and then their player development just kind of fizzles out and i wonder why that is and i have to look at a manager as to why your players seem to get worse the longer they're under your leadership. Number two reason why I'm not a big Toy Lavelle guy, he just too addicted to the cross matchups for me, and I just don't love the order of his lineup. Like, 
Today, Geraldo Perdomo sit. Why is Perdomo sitting a day after he hit a grand slam, the first home run of his career? Just because uh, of the pitching matchup? I know what the splits say, but when someone's hot, I think sometimes you just have to say, forget the splits. Let me ride the hot hand because Perdomo has been one of the best D-backs players in the month of June. I think Perdomo has like an 800 OPS this month. Like Perdomo's been one of the hottest D-backs players. So I don't think it makes any sense why he's sitting. Guy like Christian Walker, he's got the 15 home runs this season, but he probably shouldn't be batting fourth. His numbers are disgusting with runners in scoring position and someone who's batting fourth should be, uh, the cleanup guy should be, uh, performing when you do have runners on and Christian Walker can hit the home runs but typically when there's men on the bases Christian Walker doesn't do a good job so maybe he should be batting fifth but someone like David Peralta at fourth who can still give you the pop and when you look at his numbers of runners and scoring position he's been one of the best D-backs clutch performers the last few years someone like Alec Thomas who's got the speed why is he not hitting higher in the order I do like moving Josh Rojas to number two, but I feel like there's a better configuration of this lineup that Toy Lovello just isn't tapping into, or he's just so addicted to having all lefties in the lineup when there's a righty on the mound or vice versa, as opposed to just saying, let me put my best players in the mound. So that's why I'm not a huge fan of Toy Lovello's lineups. And then the last one is, I just don't love his feel for the utilization of pitchers. I think last season, the leash was just too short on pitchers. There would be times where I'm like, man, Luke Weaver's dealing tonight or Mad Bum's dealing tonight. And then he would just pull them at five innings at 65 pitches because he just didn't trust them to go the third time through the rotation or whatever. This season, I feel like the leash has been a little bit longer for his pitchers, uh, for his pitchers but I feel like... Sometimes the leash is actually too long. Like sometimes he's left Tyler Gilbert in too long and he's given up multiple home runs or Humberto Castellanos or maybe some other guy. And sometimes that's because he's trying to give the bullpen a rest and not trying to immediately go to the bullpen in the second inning. But sometimes it feels like uh, you could just see the pitcher starting to fade in the ball game around the sixth inning. You could see the hard contact starting to pile up. And Sometimes Toya Velo decides against taking the starter out. Or when there's a big high leverage moment, sometimes I just don't trust the relievers putting in. And now part of that is because there's just not many go-to relievers you could put in from this D-backs uh, bullpen. But I don't like to see Caleb Smith coming in in high leverage moments or J.B. Wendelkins. And a lot, a lot of it, just there's just not a lot of options for Toya Velo. But how many times do we have to see Mark Melanson in the ninth inning? Like, we, we've seen enough of Mark Melanson. He hasn't been good, and Toya Velo just hasn't been able to quit himself of the Mark Melanson drug. So I feel like sometimes Toya Lovello, it's just too rigid in its philosophy and ways. It has to go a little bit more of the field, just say, what are your eyes telling you? What are you seeing out there on the on the field? And don't just look at the numbers unless it's like hot trends in recent streaks because I think he cares more about overall splits than what actual players are doing at times. And he just really strict to his philosophy at times. So just a few reasons why I don't love Toy Lovello. The offense, the pitching during his tenure is usually bottom half of the league. I think his player development has been lacking. I think he's too addicted to his philosophies. And I don't love his feel when it comes to the pitching staff either. Now, let's discuss what the D-backs haven't been doing good during this month of June because we know they've been struggling recently. But before we get there, I first have a favor to ask you because we put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Lockdown Podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Lockdown Podcast. So go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. 
Thanks for your help. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss what's been wrong with the D-backs during this month of June. And it's going to be a pretty broad answer to what's been going on with the D-backs because it's a pretty simple answer. But the D-backs offense, first of all, the first reason why the D-backs haven't been good during this month of June, the first reason, the D-backs offense has been terrible in this month of June. We know they were hitting a whole bunch of home runs in May. They were, what, top three in the National League in the month of May for hitting home runs. But outside of that, they still weren't scoring a ton of runs. Most of their offensive numbers still said they were like 13th in run scored. Even after the month of May, their overall average is still pretty low. Like the D-backs are kind of a three true outcome team, and they actually don't even strike out like not at that terrible of a rate, kind of close to league average. But if the D-backs are not hitting home runs, they're really not getting anything from their offense. And that has been a big problem in June because the offense um, just hasn't been there and the power really hasn't been there. For June now, you wouldn't have known that watching tonight's game against the Cincinnati Reds because the D-backs smacked three home runs against the Reds. But entering this game against the Reds, the D-backs were dead last in the National League in runs, home runs, average, and OPS over the last 15 days. So that goes back to the that goes back to the final game of the series against the Atlanta Braves. So over the last 15 days, the D-backs have been dead last in the National League and runs, home runs, average, and OPS. And you can just see that from their player. Like, not a lot of their players look confident, and they weren't able to really look as a unit. This team just wasn't in unison. There just wasn't that vibe where someone gets a hit, and then it's followed up by a walk, and then that third guy, maybe he gets a strikeout, but that fourth guy comes through with one out, he gets a double, and then... Two guys score, one guy scores, and the other guy goes to third. Like the D-backs have not just been able to string together base hits. They have not been able to put together sequencing of hitting. And because of that, they're not getting men on the bases. And the other issue is when they do get men on the bases, the D-backs have not been able to convert. We know they've been terrible with runners in scoring position all season, but they've been specifically bad during this month of June. Their runners in scoring position numbers are just terrible. There's been so many games where they were like 0 for 3 runners in scoring position. Like just the fact that they get three opportunities is terrible and then they're not even able to convert many of those opportunities and you saw it in tonight's game like the D-backs had an opportunity early against the Cincinnati Reds to put some runs on the board and they were not able to do it and you look up and down this lineup like there's just not a lot of players performing at a high level this month Ketel Marte, Josh Rojas, and Jose Herrera are the only three players with uh, an average above 250 who I believe have at least 10 plate appearances this month. Like, there's not a lot of good D-backs players right now. I'll say it again. Marte, Herrera, Rojas, only three D-backs players with an average above 250 this month. Perdomo, Christian Walker, and Ketel Marte, only three players with at least an OPS above 700 for players with at least 10 at-bats this month. So, you just look up and down the lineup. Yeah, Marte is, you know, he's, of course, going to cross over on both of those lists for average and OPS. But you don't expect Herrera to be there. If Herrera is one of your top three players in terms of getting hits, and he did put in some work tonight against the Reds, but that's the case. Yeah, your offense is not going to be good. I love Josh Rojas, but he probably shouldn't be your second best offensive player. Perdomo, I love him as well. He, like I said, he's heating up this month. He's starting to put it together. He's starting to figure it out. And with Nick Ahmed being placed on the 60-day injured list, I mean, 
We've done a bunch of pods before the season started as to why Geraldo Perdomo should be the starting shortstop for the D-backs all season because it just felt like Nick Ahmed offered you not much value offensively. I know what Ahmed could do defensively, but I was like, if he takes at least a half step back or any step back defensively entering the season, then he's really just a negative out there. And I was like, let's give it to Perdomo, who's at least athletic. Maybe he can figure out something with his bat, but I know he can at least probably steal me a few bags and probably give me the same offensive production as Nick Ahmed. But Perdomo has been better than probably what people expected offensively. I mean, the numbers still don't look great, but I think the eye test, he looks like at least a major leaguer at the at the plate when you watch him. And defensively, he's just as good as Nick Ahmed. Uh, maybe potentially better just because he seems so much more athletic. So I like what Perdomo's doing right now. He's one of the only good D-backs players actually performing during this month of June. But you also look at some of the strikeout numbers. The D-backs have been striking out a ton during the last few games since June 1st. At least six of the 10 D-backs with at least 10 plate appearances have at least 25% strikeout rate. So D-backs players are striking out a ton and they're also not getting on base and they're not converting where people get on base like you saw tonight like the D-backs scored a lot of their runs I know they were able to get people on base um later in the game because Hunter Strickland just couldn't throw a strike but a lot of that game like they did get a few extra base hits but a lot of that um a lot of the game you had the two run home run by Christian Walker and then you had two solo shots by Jordan Luplo and by Josh Rojas so again the D-backs need the home runs to put runs on the board and off of three home runs they only got four runs scored that's not really a ton so the d-backs definitely need to get more men on the bases when they're going to hit these home runs and then the second thing that the d-backs have done really terrible during this recent streak of poor play is they've been pitching terrible so again i told you it was going to be broad overall points but they're very simple points but they're very realistic and very true the offense wasn't good the last couple weeks and the pitching has been terrible as well Worst ERA in the National League, fewer strikeouts, and a worse whip during the month of June. And I think it's come mostly from the bullpen because Zach Davies this month has been phenomenal. Zach Allen has been good as well this month. And then you just had this Merrill Kelly start. Like, I don't think it's really been too much of the starting pitching. Yes, Tyler Gilbert was too bad. Maybe it's been hit or miss the starting pitching, but it's been mostly the bullpen when you think of the Mark Melanson's continuing to melt down. All of a sudden, Kyle Nelson is giving up earned runs, and then it's all the usual suspects as well. So it's really outside of man supply and like uh, Ian Kennedy, the bullpen has not been good. Like Noah Ramirez, his turn of just becoming a, an awful reliever the last couple of weeks has really been disheartening for this D-backs bullpen because they need someone like Noah Ramirez to be good. And if he's not good, that's just one less quality pitcher that the D-backs could depend on in their bullpen one less trustworthy pitcher because we know there's not a ton of trustworthy pitchers in that D-backs bullpen and Noah Ramirez has to be one of them and when you look at this upcoming D-backs schedule we hope tonight's win against the Cincinnati Reds will put them back on the winning track because coming up next you got the Philadelphia Phillies who just fired their manager hopefully Tori Lovello's not next by do think this could be the last season of Tori Lovello. And then after the Phillies, you play the Cincinnati Reds again. So two winnable series. We could still get back to at least 500 over the finale against the Reds and then the Phillies and then the Reds again. You can get back to 500. That's eight games right there. If you go, I'm not going to even do the math. You can do the math for me because I think the D-backs are now three games below 500. No, they're four games below 500. Yikes. But they could still get back to 500 either way. So... Hopefully, they can pick it up and get out of this recent cold streak that they had against these terrible teams. 
Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!